0: whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer. If you have a heart for students, this is the place for you.
1: Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Carson. I'm the director of Student Ministry Matters, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen today as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, I have with me Andy Comer, and Chris Vines as we talk about the SOAR 2020 conference as it is scheduled for the end of June. Now, it's an online conference this year. We're very excited about that. We've talked about the SOAR conference before in the podcast, but for those who might be new, I just want to let you know it is a conference designed for students. It's an annual event put on by the Baptist Missionary Association of America focused on those between the ages of 7th and 12th grade. Uh, Usually high energy, great music, and great speakers. Andy Comer is the featured speaker, and he is the pastor of Antioch Georgetown, just outside of Austin, Texas. He's a fan of football, the Texas Longhorns, and of coffee. Let's listen in. Welcome to the podcast, Andy. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled that you're, you're hopping on here with us. We are talking about SOAR 2020. And Andy Comer and Chris Vines are with us today as we talk about that. Chris is the visionary leader for SOAR, and Annie Comer is the, the featured speaker. And so he's going to be talking with us about some of the things that SOAR is going to be sharing. And so I'm excited about that. But I wanted to give our listeners an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. They kind of know Chris from the craziness that. and Micah and I share on a more weekly basis. But let me just ask you some questions to get us started. So, Andy, I know that you are in Georgetown. Antioch, Georgetown is your church. Uh,
0: That's in the Austin area, correct? It is. We are considered uh, probably the northernmost suburb of Austin. So we're about 20 minutes um, from the state capital of Texas.
1: Well, one of the things that um, I saw on your, your website was that you love coffee. And so coffee is the lifeblood of many youth pastors. I figure when I get old enough, I'll actually start drinking it. But I know that a lot of our guys, a lot of folks, if they're visiting Austin, where do
0: they want to go in Austin to get a good coffee? Oh, man, Um, there are places everywhere. There's two spots on the square in Georgetown. Georgetown has a fast growing, one of the fastest growing cities in the nation, but um, it has an old town square and there is a place um, on the square called uh, Chianfrani. Frani, and I, I pause because there's an argument on, over how it's pronounced. Um, I don't know if it's French or, or what, but it's it's uh, spelled C-I-A-N. I don't know how how you'd say that, but some people call it Chia and some people call it Chia So it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, popular local spot. There's another place called Must Love Coffee, and um, they actually sell waffles uh, at their coffee shop, Ooh. which. It's hard to beat waffles and coffee. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I got to ask, what's your coffee of choice? Oh, um, coffee of choice. So I'm I'm probably going to have to stick, even though those are great local spots, great atmospheres. I love a good cup of Starbucks, just a um, regular old Grande Pike. I'm also a big fan of Panera coffee, you know, being a church. planter. Ah, you know, you don't have a church office. And so I office a lot out of Panera Bread. They have just introduced, I hate to sidetrack here, but they just introduced um, a coffee subscription plan. Can you believe it? So for about eight bucks a month, you get unlimited coffee. And so uh, I think I love Panera uh, Panera Bread a little bit more just because of that. $8 a month? $8, yeah. I'm like, you know, for about, it's about four cups of coffee. You know, if you're just buying an
2: individual, but I'm like, Man, I'm gonna get my money's worth of coffee oh, yeah. at Panera Bread. Andy, see, I I knew I knew there was a connection between me and you because, like, when I lived in Conway, Panera was my spot. Man, that's just yeah. where I that's where I went, and I almost got ran out of town there. Uh, not not because I did anything wrong, but man, there was a, there was a lot of there was a lot of pyramid scheme marketing people that wanted to try to come to Panera and sell me stuff, and so I almost stopped, but. Hmm. I persevered longer than they did, but yeah, Panera coffee's good well, i've I had a chance to visit it visit Austin in more recent
1: uh, days. Um, I have a family member that lives in the area, and one of the things that we really wanted to do was to get some tacos. So I know that it's the taco truck capital, or that's what it seems like. So, where can I get great tacos in Austin? So
0: there is a place that's pretty popular around here. Of course, you know any of the the taco truck stands are are usually going to be pretty popular. But there's kind of a chain. It's around Austin. It's called Torchy's Tacos. Yeah. um, So imagine in Conway. Remind me, what's the name? Uh, We lived in Conway for two years. There's a a taco place there. What's the name of that? Tacos Um, for life. Tacos for life. Okay. So um, this is sad, but Torchy's Tacos is like it's kind of like Tacos for Life, but it's it's the opposite. (laughs) Like Tacos for (laughs) Life is very. You walk in, you're encouraged or scriptures. Torchy's Tacos, they're they're it's like fire and little little their their mascot is like a little demon guy Edgy. and um so it's uh <laughs> it's a weird experience but um if you go in they've got some uh pretty amazing taco. they get the trashy taco they've got a taco yeah. a taco called the trashy taco that's just one it, you're going to ruin your diet on that taco but it's it's pretty delicious that's good
1: that's fantastic i never thought of tacos for life and torches as being
0: yeah the it's like
1: polar opposites but you are, are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are they're like it's the same food but totally different um atmosphere so yeah. anyway it's like
2: it's like you've got the uh the the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other right yeah you know yeah yes that's, absolutely, absolutely.
1: That's great. Well, Chris will have to come up here to Northwest Arkansas. We just got in a Torchy's about two miles from where I'm at. Mm. And so I've eaten there only once since I've been there, uh, been up here, but it's a good place. It's good. It's good. One of the things that I wanted uh, to do today, Andy, was to, to give our listeners an opportunity, not just to get to know how much you like coffee and if you like tacos and that sort of thing, but I really like them to get to know you, know and understand your spiritual walk. And so I'd love if you'd share how you came to know Christ and how God called you to ministry.
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, love sharing. Love sharing that story. So I grew up in a in a pastor's home. Um, in fact, my my grandpa uh, was a pastor. Uh, my dad, um, Jack Comer, is a um, is a BMA pastor in Southeast Texas. My brother um, is a church planter. I have an uncle that serves on staff at at a church in Irving, Texas, and. You know, I grew up kind of with ministry all around, all around me, never thought that I would go into ministry, wasn't running from it, just didn't think that that was my calling. But basically at age, at age nine, I did the the, the church good boy thing. I walked down the aisle, went through all the motions and, um, you know, accepted Christ. But I remember my dad asking me a question. He said, are you doing this because of your friend? And I remember saying no. But I remember when I answered that question, I was I was lying through my teeth, and um, it wasn't until Daniel Springs about two summers later, at age eleven, that I just began feeling convicted. I knew that I was living a lie. Um, I was scared. God was God was showing me that I that I needed Him, and it wasn't just about being a, a good kid um, or being a good person. That I needed Christ in my life, and so um, there on a on a Wednesday morning. Um, and we had a, um, we had a, a, student intern, we weren't a large church, but there was, there was just a guy that was investing his summer. And, um, so I just want to say that if, if that's you, like if you're just investing the summer, um, with, with a church or with students, man, that matters. Cause that guy, he, he wasn't my dad. He wasn't my mom. He was a, a neutral party that I could go to and say, man, I've been living a lie for two years. And so, uh, he counseled me th- with me. We walked across the, the campus at Daniel Springs. And man, I remember praying and a very real conversion experience of of Jesus coming into my life and saving me and uh, just being changed um, right there at that moment. And then it wasn't until uh, about age 17, I was at a student conference and feeling the Lord call me to ministry. And I remember sweating and how scared I was of that. And I tell people I wasn't necessarily running from God, but it was such a big decision that I wanted to make sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that that this was God calling me and not just some student conference high moment where I'm responding to what the pastor yeah. uh, says. And so for one year, almost to the day, um, it was at the student conference that next year that I I surrendered to ministry. And, and that entire year, it was like every every song that we sang at church, it was like God was whispering to my spirit, "You need to surrender ministry." Every every sermon. That I heard preach, and most of those were my dad preaching. Um, it was God whispering, "You know, you need to surrender to ministry. I, I'd be driving down the streets of of Bridge City, a little small town in um, Southeast Texas, and I'd come to a stop sign and and I'd look at that stop sign and God would whisper, Stop, Andy, you need to surrender to ministry. I mean, it was like god was God was just overwhelming and 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 faithful. and you know when God speaks, i I firmly believe that he's consistent and it's not just a one- time off thing. And so for one year, I just believe that God was that that year from 17 to 18, God was speaking to me, surrender to the ministry. And I was nervous about what that meant and what that would look like. And what if I surrendered and I didn't become a full-time pastor and, and all those questions. And, and I remember my dad just sitting me down saying, Andy, don't, don't worry about steps two, three, four, and five. Just if he's, if he's calling you to surrender, surrender. And so I did, I said, okay, I went before my church and said, I believe God is placing this call in my life. Would you pray with me? Would you encourage me? And and man, my dad's words were so true. It was um, God. Uh, once I made that first step, God led me to the second step, and then He opened the doors for the third step, and opened the doors for the fourth step. And I never would have dreamed, as an eighteen-year-old, that one day I'd be in the Austin, Texas area, um, serving as a. As a pastor of a church plant just been an incredible um, experience along the way I love hearing about people's call to the ministry because it yeah. while it
1: is different with so many different people there are some some themes that keep popping up I remember um, for me at that time when I realized that God wanted more than just the things that I could do but he wanted me completely I, I remember it was like every time that I turned on Christian radio every time yeah. I Read my Bible, it was all right. Yeah. And surrender everything. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you a question in regard to that. Why do you think we, we don't see as many young men
0: surrender to ministry? That's a great question, Dan. Um, you know, I, I, I've highlight.
1: seen that happen a lot, or I should say, I'm not seeing it happen a lot. What year was that when you surrendered to ministry? Oh, that was uh, 2003. And I know at conferences like soar at conference- at places like church camp uh we see that happen on occasion, but I'm not seeing it as much and so I didn't know if you had any insight
0: yeah i don't I don't know if I have any um specific insight i I would point to a couple of things that uh, you know Jesus tells us that we should pray for um, not just for the harvest, but for harvesters to be sent yeah. out into the mission field. And so, and maybe, maybe it's us. Maybe we're not praying. Maybe, maybe God's waiting for us to, to make that prayer and, and then uh, him answer that so we can see him at work and we can see the connection between our prayer and asking and, and God answering and sending. But, you know, it may also be that I, th- I think the church has done well. In the last decade, and I only say the last decade because, you know, I don't wasn't really uh, involved, I guess, in the maybe in the decades before that. But I think that there's a movement in in communicating across the board, top to bottom, that ministry does not have to mean, you know, church staff position. Right. I, I think the church has done a great job of saying, you, you know, God is calling teachers, you know, to live on mission for him. God is calling engineers to. To live on mission for him, um, he's calling you know your everyday workforce to to live on mission for him, and so I think we've done well with that, and so maybe maybe that's part of it that people have realized that to live on mission doesn't mean that I've got to you know go into full time ministry um, that you can that you can minister and and I love the word the definition of the word minister is just to serve um, right. you yeah. serve God. Uh, and you serve people. Uh, and it all kind of comes back to the greatest two commandments, right? that we're to love God first and foremost with all of all that we are, and we're to love our neighbor um, as ourself. and love is expressed not just through words but but through serving and and ministry is a service. it's a it's a form of love and and we can uh, people are actually, I think engaged in ministry, you know, even though they don't you know hold a a ministry title. and that's a, and that's a good thing. it's a that's a sure. good, thing. but I, I think yeah. the consequence is the church looks different when you don't when you don't have these young men, you know, surrendering to the to the ministry and and going into those into those positions, um, part time or or full time. So uh, yeah. that's just a few thoughts yeah. that that come to mind as I contemplate sure. your question. Well, and appreciate I appreciate you sharing. Uh, one of the things
1: that that I've struggled with, and I think I was more convicted by the first thing you said. Are we praying for that to happen? And I yeah. think that's that's real important. So, well, listen. Um, I want our folks to again know you more as as what you're doing. W- what's your previous work with students? I know you've you've been a youth pastor before. What did that? Yeah. Where was that at? And what did that look like?
0: Yeah. So, um, attended Jacksonville College in 'o three to 'o five, and really, I, I kind of jumped in serving at a church called Mount Selman Baptist Church, just north of of Jacksonville and the pastor there was Harold Small and it was a it was a small church and I I was kind of looking more for an internship you know when I was 18 or 19 I wanted to go you know serve at a church that had a student pastor that I could serve alongside but Harold Small approached me one day and and he said hey would you would you want to come serve our students this summer man and my I, I just I had a big grin on my face and and uh, Harold Small, he's passed away now but uh, he always had a smile and I I just smiled back and said absolutely and so um basically served with the students for for a summer and then um, they asked me to hang around the next uh, school year. So there was a sophomore in college, basically teaching Bible studies to um, a small group of students on Wednesday nights. And then from that, God opened the door for me to, and my wife to move to Sulphur Springs, Texas, to Davis Street Baptist Church and, and serve um, alongside Pastor Tommy Hall. And um, I was 21. We moved. Uh, <laughs> I was barely married. And we moved to, to, to Davis Street and didn't didn't know hardly anything, but I was excited I loved kids loved students uh, ready to get to work and um basically did that for five years uh, served at Davis Street for five years and then kind of another story that the pastor was retiring uh, I was kind of looking to go into a pastoring uh, position and so it was just a natural fit for me to stay at Davis Street where I'd been the student pastor for five years and um, ended up staying another um, nearly five years after that. So, yeah, that was kind of my, my stint in, in student ministry. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I feel like all pastors end up being student ministry workers at some point in some level or the other, uh, whether they are supporting uh, those that are working with our students' hands hand in hand, day in and day out, or whether they are the ones that are leading a Bible study and doing those things. And so, yeah, I love seeing that transition. And from there, it's my understanding is that when you moved
0: to Antioch and Conway, it was basically received a a phone call from, uh, pastor Jason Altman. And I remember, I remember his question. He said, Andy, have you ever thought about starting a church? And he said, I just want a yes or no answer. And I said, "Uh, (laughs) uh, have you ever said that to someone like yeah oh yeah (laughs) And um, i said but and and no offense uh to 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 arkansas having lived in arkansas now i love the state of arkansas beautiful place beautiful people but i said yeah but not in arkansas i love texas and and he replied he said good uh because we we want to um we want to plant a church uh, somewhere in the Austin area. There are two moments, and I just I strongly felt impressed by God that He was speaking to me. It was when He called me to ministry, um, and I shared that story. And then it was this, it was that phone call um, that God began to give me a holy discontent for where I was. He started to to plant a desire in my heart and my wife's heart to uh, to start a church, and. Um, Ended up moving to Conway, um, spent 20 months in Conway, loved our time at, at Antioch Conway. And we were basically there to develop and recruit a team that would move to uh, the Austin area. Ended up landing in Georgetown and um, with the goal of, of planting a church. Well, Austin is a beautiful part of Texas. Um,
1: one of the things that when we were visiting there is we kept seeing this phrase keep Austin weird. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I, sl- I slowly figured out what that meant. And for those of us who live in Arkansas, it's like if you took Fayetteville and Eureka Springs and smushed them together, um, that's kind of the culture. <laughs> And so maybe yeah. that helps people understand, but what's been the biggest challenge of a church plant in one of the more liberal towns in Texas?
0: Yeah. So, you know, speaking, uh, bouncing off that idea of keep Austin weird, um, Georgetown, yeah. which is just North of Georgetown. Um, they, they had a, they have a saying in response to that and it's keep Georgetown normal. <laughs> oh, so, okay. So they, your community is a little different then. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, you know, we're only 20 minutes away, but there's a, there's a, big difference in that, in that 20 minutes. So Georgetown, it's a little bit more, um, Austin, there's a, you know, with the university of Texas having 50,000 students and very, very liberal, very, uh, progressive, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of, of thinking that is just totally contrary to, to the Bible and God's word. Georgetown is a little bit more, um, family centered. You know, people move out to, to Georgetown when they want to start having kids, They want to move out of the the little small condo. They want to move out of the apartment and actually get a house uh, with a yard. And so um, a lot of our growth, when I say growth, it's about 12 people per day that are moving to to Georgetown. A lot of that is coming out of Austin. um, And then a lot of that is coming out of California, too. So you kind of have two liberal places and so we one of the reasons that we were drawn here is because we, it felt like it fit our family felt like we fit the culture but also we wanted to we saw it as an opportunity to, to teach biblical values and so it's it's definitely been it's definitely been a challenge there are some some viewpoints and perspectives here that we find ourselves in the minority on and um, and we're okay with that. Um, people are, are generally friendly. Uh, people like the idea of church. They like the idea of, of, of even a, a God or, or high power, some people refer to. Um, they're not necessarily um, atheist as much as they are, you know, you believe what you believe and I believe what I believe and we'll all just kind of end up at the same spot. In In preaching ministry, I, you know, when I was at, at Davis Street in in East Texas, for example, I there were statements I could make that you just knew. The congregation was going to be in, in full agreement with you'd make a statement and then you would you would move on, and here when you make a statement, it's like you you have to spend a few minutes giving it some context, and um and kind of talk about where you're coming from. Uh, for example, we're in we're looking at Nehemiah right now. I'm preaching through Nehemiah, and you know week one, I'm like, hey, turn your Bibles to Nehemiah, um, go to Psalms, and then back up a few. A few books and that's where you'll find nehemiah and so it's little things like that where um, where you're having to give give context and really driving home that jesus being uh, lord jesus being god um, jesus being the only way to salvation and again most people they're good with that they're, they're good with you loving jesus and serving jesus and being you know for jesus but it's you know you start pushing buttons when you start talking about jesus as the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. That's when you start um, experiencing some, some opposition. Well, let's go ahead and hop into the SOAR
1: 2020. I'm excited um, that you're going to be sharing at, uh, with our students. Um, and it's a little bit different this year because of COVID-19. Yes. SOAR yes. is gone completely online. And so, Chris, um, tell us a little bit
2: about what that looks like. Oh man, Uh, well, definitely looks different. Um, But man, so excited. Uh, I think I've expressed this before. So excited that we are still able to offer something to our churches. And, you know, SOAR typically has a lot of expense that comes with it just because there's travel and uh, hotel expense and food and all that sort of thing. And so, I'm excited in the fact that we're able to offer SOAR 2020 online for free. Uh, any individual or church will be able to view this and participate in our online event. These these uh, sessions will drop on June 26th and 27th. We got main sessions with Andy, and then we have uh, four different breakout sessions, um, with some incredible people, uh, and some familiar faces as well. So, uh, we've got someone like Sean Hammondry, he's going to come in and and teach a, a breakout and, uh, and then Gavin Roberts and Jeremy and Kristen Riddle. And then of course, uh, another breakout that we've got going on is, um, all about volunteer student missions, VSM. And so Jonathan Montgomery and Angela Rice, those guys will lead that breakout and uh anyway so i'm I'm very excited about it i'm really really hopeful that that this will bless our churches in a very cool way and uh and this is year two for for andy to uh to speak to us and so um, I, I know we've had a, a previous episode where we talked about this but I'll just say it once again you know Andy did an awesome job last year uh, with our theme one lost sheep and it was all about it was all about evangelism it was all about how Jesus pursues that one lost sheep but then I remember very vividly how Andy ended last year's soar where he said it's not just about the one and and so when we started thinking about this year's theme of multiply which is, Really, this idea of discipleship—how we are called into this great mission of God to to live on mission—that He's invited us in to be a part of His mission, and that mission is to make disciples, uh, to multiply people who will bring glory to God. And so, uh, we just saw it very thought it was very fitting for Andy to come back and, in a certain sense, you know, finish what he started. So anyway, really, really pumped about being able to let Andy open the word again and and uh, be able to to teach our teenagers this year at SOAR 2020. Andy,
1: you are speaking twice. Um, I know that the way that this works, you've already recorded those sessions with the team. Um, I'm excited to see them. And again, those dates are June 26th and 27th. It's a Friday night and a Saturday that they're going to be airing the first time. One of the great things is that People will be able to go back and they could use them at other points. But, man, part of the value is knowing that you're gathering with others at that same time. And so I'd encourage our listeners to to get your youth group together if if things allow for that. And if not, encourage them to view them on at home and to be able to see those things. Um, Andy, what type of things are you going to be covering? You've got two sessions, so share with us uh, what's what's that going to look like
0: yeah um also wanted to start off by saying there's two you know <laughs> it's such a big topic yes, and uh, yes. i was actually uh talking with chris at the uh at the recording and it's you know how do you take something that jesus spent three years doing and investing in you know making these making these 12 disciples and trying to condense that down into um, a, a couple of sessions on a weekend. And so, man, I just want to say to the, to the student leaders and and student pastors out there, uh, don't, don't come expecting to get the full game plan on, on how to make disciples. But so there's, you're going to feel, uh, I feel lacking, uh, you know, having wrapped it up there's so much more you could say so much more we could do. And so I want to just, uh, prompt student leaders for that. You know, if you, if you walk away feeling like, man, I wish there was more than, than good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably, probably the way it should be. Right. So, um, I think my, my heart, when, when Chris first asked, um, my, my heart immediately went to this idea of, you know, there's some students that, that don't need to make disciples. And that, that kind of sounds contrary because we're, you know, we're trying to do this conference to, to encourage students to make disciples. Um, uh, but my initial thought was, man, there's, there's some that don't. And so what, what is it, how do we know when we get to that point when we are ready uh, to make disciples? And so specifically in that first session, um, it's really a, a call to, to be a disciple and um, it's, it's a call to follow Jesus. Um, there's a, that's kind of the, um, the first step that, you know, if we're not, you know, don't, don't even think about making a disciple or investing in the life of someone else, unless you are first uh, pursuing your own walk with Jesus because um, if you're not if you're not learning, you're not growing, you're not in the word, you're not in a church family, you know you're not serving, then it basically just removes uh, removes the right um, to begin challenging someone else to do that. So really that first session kind of starts there um, with that idea of, of following Jesus. Um, and that, and we we look at discipleship, that's where the disciples started. Um, and I, I kind of bring out the point that when, when Jesus invited the disciples, he didn't, he didn't call them to follow him. He, he did. Okay. He said, follow me. But, but the purpose was to make fishers of men. I want you to follow me. And here's what I'm going to do in your life. I'm going to make you into someone who makes disciples. So the disciples knew that from the very beginning. There was no surprise at the end when Jesus gave the great commission, you know, the disciples weren't panicked going, what? You want us to do what? <laughs> like they knew what the, what the real calling was. And I also love that in their response to when, so when Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, it doesn't say they left and went and fished for men. It says they left and they, they followed him. And so try to spend a lot of time on that first session Really um, helping students to understand that the main mission is multiply from start to finish. That's that's the priority. Number one, it's that every other mission kind of sits secondary to that mission. And then that that first step is is follow me, is follow Jesus. Well, that's session
1: one. So what about the second session? What what are you going to cover there?
0: Yeah, in the second session, we uh, t- tried to dive a little bit deeper, um, and I was really feeling kind of led towards two, two ideas. Uh, one is investing in relationships, and then two, uh, being committed to the Word. And so um, when you look at discipleship in the Scripture, it always happens within um, the context of uh, relationships. And so we kind of take a journey back to Genesis um, when when God um, creates People and in that original design, you know, the way we're we're all hardwired, um, we're designed for relationships. Uh, We're not designed to be alone. Uh, Satan desires um, for us to be alone. He desires isolation because that's when he attacks. But we need people in our life who are pouring into us and we need people in our life that we are pouring into. And there's an illustration that I kind of use on stage and it was actually Chris's idea. I actually got it from him. What? Um, about, about, <laughs> about using some nails, <laughs> right, Chris?
2: Oh yeah. That was totally my idea.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you used it. <laughs> You're right. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing it. Um, <laughs> and so I, uh, just bring out some nails and, <laughs> um, I think sometimes when we think of discipleship, we think we have to take someone the whole way. Um, we have to take them from zero to 10. Mm. Um, and and I don't think God calls us to do that. Um, I think, I think he calls us to, to make disciples and, and sometimes that means we're taking someone from zero to one and maybe that's, maybe that's evangelism. You know, I, I, I think evangelism is part of discipleship, uh, part of that process. And sometimes we're taking someone from one to two and sometimes we're taking someone from, from nine to 10. And I, I hate to put numbers on it. You know, discipleship is not something you quantify, but I think we can kind of relate with numbers. And if there's a student out there that says, man, in my own discipleship, I'm I only feel like I'm a three. You know, I've I've got all this room for growth. Great. You can still lead someone from zero to one, one to two, two to three. Um, you can lead someone to places you've already been. You can't lead someone to places you've never been. And so all the more reason to follow Jesus. Um, that, that idea of if you just make an impact on someone's life. And, and that kind of stemmed from uh, reflecting on my own discipleship journey. Like, um, how was I discipled? And I didn't go through a particular class um, that where I started and finished and I was done. Discipleship, we, we all know, is not, is not something you ever complete. There's not a box you check off. Uh, but i think back of the men and the women that god placed in my life to grow me deeper in my walk with him i mean there's dozens dozens of people that have had um, some form of impact on my life god used them for for my discipleship and so if you're if you're making disciples don't feel like all the all the weight's on you because it's not jesus said i'll be i'll be with you always i'll hold your hand don't worry uh he's the one through his spirit uh, through the holy spirit is doing the work in people's life, he's he's doing the discipling. You're you're just the tool in God's hand, and so I think making disciples it starts with a decision. You know, you've got to make the decision. You know, I, I'll make a disciple, and if you don't make that decision, you know, it's unlikely that discipleship will ever happen in your life because it doesn't happen by accident. Um, you don't you don't wake up two years from now and say, "Oops, I discipled someone." It means uh, intentionality. It means life on life, which means relationship. Um, and it means being committed to the Word. I think discipleship happens within relationship. It also happens, you know, when you're grounded and rooted in God's Word. You take God's Word out. It's going to be hard to grow uh, in following Jesus when, when you don't have anything to um, study and, and learn uh, from Him with. So anyway, those, that's kind of that second session, I guess, in a, in a nutshell, relationships and, and Scripture as being two kind of guardrails that lead us as we, as we lead others to follow Christ. Chris, you got something?
2: Yeah, I just, you know, I, I could elaborate and not, not elaborate It's bad. I, I could, I could just have this conversation with Andy, I think all day long. I love it. Yeah. So I've got to limit yeah. what I say, but, but no, Andy, I love what you said there. You know, your are I mean, excuse me, my illustration that you use with the nails, <laughs> uh, uh, that's you an, know, it, it's an inside joke because I was sharing with Chris <laughs> that, that
0: illustration and uh, he his wife walked up and he totally hacked it and, and told his wife, He's like, Look what I just came up with.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: it was a, it yeah. was a hilarious
2: moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, for the record, it is not mine. It is totally Andy's. I wish it was mine. So, anyway, you know, you, but the point of that, you said, you know, it takes, you know, there's a lot of people that invested in your life. And, and I, you know, I think we all, just know the truth of that statement I think when you when you illustrate that and when we see that at soar this year people are just going to be like oh man that is so good it's so true um, and it's just relatable but you know I, I heard this this is a thought I, I heard this before um, or I read it somewhere but when when talking about teenagers and I, and I believe the specific context of this this certain thing that I read was in reference to teenagers who who do not leave the church after high school, and so there's a common there's a commonality between those kids who, through the college years and even into young adulthood, they remain faithful to the church. And most of those people who do have had uh, several key influencers in their life, you know, so like a youth pastor, solid parents, a good pastor, maybe a a great a great coach um, in sports, or, or you know something like that. But there's at least four or five different. Influencers in that person's life who, who you can point to and say, yeah, they've they've really invested in me, and this is a reason why. Now, of course, we know that that, that doesn't that's not like a a recipe for perfect success. I, I'm just saying, like, it it just proves that point so well, uh, I believe, and so I appreciate. I mean, I, I really appreciate that perspective, and and I think it's important for us to know that the Lord does not. He does not expect us to take everybody from zero to a hundred or zero to ten, however we want to put that. That's so good, and uh, and man, just to just to reiterate what you said there at the end, you know that the commitment to the word, you know that's that is that is fundamental to to what we want to do at Soar every year. We we want we want teenagers to to come and learn the word. And, I mean, so everything that we say, everything that we teach is going to be rooted in the word and and then we ultimately want them to to love one another, right? To love their church and and then ultimately go and and live that out in their life. And so none of that happens though without a commitment to the authoritative word of God. And so all that said Andy, I just wanted to I just wanted to really just say how much I appreciate Uh, your perspective on that and, and, and just your teaching on that. I'm really excited for our teenagers to be able to hear, to hear the word of God this, this year through, through you. And so uh, I appreciate it, man. I want to add on too. there was, you
0: know, there was a focus on pouring into others, but again, going back to that first seven, that first session, not neglecting, you know, allowing others to pour into us. And I didn't, I didn't teach on this phrase at the conference in the session, but it's something I, um, I believe until someone shares with me different, but we have to take ownership of our own discipleship. We, as if we are wanting to follow Jesus, like there's a there's an ownership that we take, and there there might be students out there that are just sitting on the sidelines waiting. Well, if you know, I would grow if someone would invest in me. Um, you've got to take the first step. If it if it is relational, and, and you're the sum total of the of the five closest people to you, you've got to place yourself around people who will grow you and challenge you and stretch you and also be willing to, to look you in the eye and say, Hey man, you your, what you're doing. That's not, it's not right. Um, that's not yeah. God honoring. And, um, mm-hmm. and people that will point you, point you back to the word. It's not any, e- you know, discipleship's not, it's not easy. It's not, you know, we, we, we might make it sound, you know, clean cut, but it's a dirty job. When you look at Jesus spending time with the the 12 disciples, there were times they got it. And I think Jesus was over here like, you know, fist bumping like, yes. (laughs) And then we all know there were times that they totally missed
2: it. And he's like, you're arguing about what? Who's the greatest? Are you kidding me? You're right, you know, Jesus the sum total of, of the of the way that Jesus dis- made disciples was not just sitting in Panera bread reading a theology book and discussing yeah, yeah. whatever the the high thought was. You know, there's 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 getting your hands dirty. I mean, there's you know, him sending the, sending them out two by two and then coming back and talking about it, you know, there's correction, yeah, all of that. So that's so good, man. All right. As as we wrap up today, let me let me
1: ask one or both of you to answer this question. Why should I invest the time that I have with my students in watching SOAR online
0: this year? Number one, I, I believe they won't watch it by themselves. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I think, <laughs> uh, what, let me, maybe I misheard the question, but why watch it together? Why watch that it together? kind of more the focus of the question? It,
1: but I, I think you, you hit on a key.
0: Yeah, I think it is important that we yeah. watch
1: it together with them because there's a real possibility that they might not watch it
0: by themselves. Yeah. But more pointed, why should, should we watch it? <laughs> I think because we can live our entire lives. And if we have never made a disciple, then we have failed at the one thing Jesus told us to do. And if all we did in our entire life was make one single disciple, then we have succeeded at what jesus called us to do this this is huge this is this is not just just kind of a one-off thing again i think when i said earlier about this being the main mission this is the umbrella that everything else in life kind of sits secondary to and so it's important to watch it together, um, I think, as youth groups, because, you know, it's going to be hard for for anybody, not just students um, with short attention spans to to stay engaged for a full session when you're at home on your bed, you know, with your phone by yourself. But more importantly, it is the Great Commission. That's why. Chris, you want to add
2: to that? There's not much I can add to that, Dan. <laughs> uh, but I, I know than, it was kind of a mic drop moment. Yeah, wasn't it? it was. It was. I mean, I, I totally I totally agree. I, I think. OK, so if, if I could, I'll just say this um, in the current context that we're in with Corona and being isolated, I think it's very important for us to understand and, and for teenagers to see that even right now, the mission has not stopped. And so I, I believe it's I believe it's important for us to, to, yes, definitely watch it together because, yeah, I, I, it's so much easier to be able to see it together and to have that mutual encouragement. But man, I really want teenagers to see and to to understand that that even right now when they are in isolation in a lot of places uh, where they seem distant from others, that, that the mission has not stopped, that God has not been uh, knocked off kilter, so to speak, by everything that's going on. That he's in complete control and that that his mission is going forward and he is still inviting us to to be a part of it. And so that's that's without getting on it on just another another soapbox, you know, that is something that is so close to my heart and something that I want desperately for for everybody to see, but especially teenagers, is that you know, so often they ask the question what is God's will for my life? And, and I understand why they asked that question, but a better question that we need to ask and that I want them to see and to think about is what is God's will? What is God's mission? In other words, and how do I fit into it? Yeah. And so, and so that, that's what, that's what needs to happen. And so I think it's so important that, um, that teenagers watch this together uh, as a group this year. And um, anyway, So, yeah, I'm not adding to it. I'm just uh, I'm just saying that Andy's right. Andy's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, Chris,
1: remind us one more time where we can see it and when we'll see it.
2: Yeah. Our website, GoSoar.com. That's where all of the the sessions will air uh, live on June 26th and 27th. They will be uh, housed after that um, on our Vimeo channel. Uh, but they'll be, they'll be made available on that website for, uh, for people to view days and weeks after the June 26th and 27th event. We just really want people to, to make plans, um, as they normally do, to uh, gather at that one weekend. And we moved it from the original date of the 1st of July to that weekend just because we feel like it would be easier for youth groups to gather over a Friday and a Saturday than a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in their own context so so yeah go and then while i'm mentioning that as well if if you're listening to this um, and you're a youth worker which uh, i would think that you are if you're listening to this but if you're not and, and you know a youth worker uh man we've we want to connect with you we want to be able to just know who you are and, and where you are and, and just have a good way of, of contacting you and so i want to encourage you to go to our website go forward slash connect uh maybe we can put that in the show notes, Dan. Sure. And uh and man, if you can sign up there, then you will automatically be entered to win AirPod Pros, a pair of AirPod Pros. Um and so these aren't the normal AirPods, these are the AirPod Pros. With, <laughs> hey which Chris, means, where do
0: church planters go to sign up for that to win? Well,
2: that? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. You know what? Give me a year. Give me a year to think about that and I'll get back to okay. you. <laughs> you get back to me. <laughs> hey man. You go com slash connect and you sign up too and we'll enter you in there. Uh, <laughs> so I'll give you some AirPod Pros, man. But uh yeah, so anyway, we got that. And then um, we'll be having a a live a live event on our Facebook page um, the week after that that weekend of SOAR. And uh, we'll be giving those stu- that stuff away. So anyway, okay. exciting That's stuff, great. exciting stuff, and uh, man, I just can't, I can't wait. I really can't wait to be with my group to watch Soar Twenty Twenty.
1: I hope that you've enjoyed the the podcast today, as we've talked with Andy and Chris about Soar Twenty Twenty. Theme is multiply, and I hope that you'll. Get your group together for that night. Maybe you can't because of your local context, uh, but encourage your students to connect with gosour.com on that weekend so that they can know more about it. We do these things, not just because we want to build our own little kingdom so we can, uh, if somebody can hear us preach or hear music, any of those type of things. We do that because student ministry matters.
2: Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters Podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com
0: or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.